ten twenty one. Normal, normal starts. This this is bad. This is really bad. Okay, it's it's not good. Okay, I wish the furnace wasn't running, but you know I can't have everything. Hello, everyone, and happy holidays. Welcome to our year in spectacular, which is exactly like last week's show or any other show. It's episode seven hundred and fifty three. I'm Sebastian Peake. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Brett Van Spurnberg, and I thought we were all wearing an ugly sweater tonight. I missed the memo, I guess. By the way, this is the PC Per podcast. In case you downloaded this podcast, not knowing what it was, and I forgot to tell you, this is the PC Perspective podcast. Uh, You probably already knew that. So, uh, yeah, uh, this is the PC's Perspective Podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's pretend, let's pretend we've done this before. You can go to <sighs> patreon.com. Yes, get refreshed. Patreon.com slash PCPer and uh, keep this going. Because obviously this is relevant entertainment and topical always every week and other things. Yep. Mm-hmm. Entertaining. Keep the lights on. Keep the lights on. Mm-hmm. Change your Patreon name just to do it. Just so it, it, we get a notification about it. Change your pledge, yep. possibly more or less, you know, depending on your current situation. Eh. But yeah. more would either be one. Got to thank Steve though. Steve, uh, Steve uh, Zerk in the uh, YouTube chat throwing a bit in the uh, bucket over the wall. Really appreciate. Oh, yeah, that. Steve oh, Zerk. Thank you. So thank you. Uh, tune in live. Well, so this you is his middle us. name Cubic. Could be. Hmm. Maybe. Steve, uh, looks like he's saying he did one of the builds off of our, uh, our, the high-end build off of our yeah. PC per build page. Hey. So Steve, for him. he did a, a substitution for there. the, it is a little 3850 is a solid choice to the 6950. Exactly. Very much still a solid choice. Probably better than a 4050. If, if I have to be completely honest with you, it's probably more I don't, I don't think you're reaching for the stars on that one. I think you're on solid ground. It's time for the final burger ever for 2023, Josh. Yeah, I don't believe Okay. It. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm probably not going to be here this next week. So, yeah, I, I may not have a burger. But this one was a pretty good one. I uh, I got the Plainsman, except that I, I doubled up the patty. And the Plainsman, if you didn't know it, I've, I've had it a few times before, and it's it's a fantastic one uh, that is made of two four-ounce smashed patties, American cheese, chopped bacon, roasted hatch green chilies, fry sauce, and a chipotle ketchup. Yes, it's a little messy, and I didn't order uh, lettuce, tomato, onions. They put it on there for some reason, but I figured, you know, what the heck? I might as well just eat it. Don't make me repeat it. That's some fresh looking lettuce. You can see a little bit of that fry sauce on the uh, tomato. Just tempting you. Teasing. A little chipotle ketchup. Onions. American cheese. I'm not always a huge fan of American cheese, but sometimes, like with most things, there is a time and place. And this was the time. And this is the place. And that's the Plainsman. Let's move to news. And our first story comes from Video Cards. That's with a Z. By the it's way, Feliz Navidad. 
Yeah. <laughs> just in time for the holidays, AMD has lowered the price. Well, at least their partners have. I don't know exactly if it was mandated by AMD, but the 7700 XT, the most exciting graphics card to ever launch in 2023, had $449. It is uh, now $399 US. The price I thought it was going to launch at, and then it launched at $449 and for some reason, it has taken all of this time. What, four months? Down. There should have been an immediate price correction. Yeah. According to me. Because for just $50 more, you get a significantly better card with the 7800 XT. Yeah, with 16 gigs of memory. Like we, we had explained earlier, is the 7800 XT was, was often sold out for the first month that was in existence. And, and I wonder if some people just were like, heck with it. I'll get the 7700 XT. It can't be that much slower. And it is slower. And it has four gigs less memory. But if you remember, I, I did a pretty thorough review on the 7700 XT from XFX. I like the card. Um, it It's significantly faster than the 6700 XT. It almost matches an RTX 3080 in overall performance. And plus, you've got two extra gigs of memory. So... It's uh, kind of a, a win-win there uh, for the price, and wow! Now that it's three ninety-nine, um, it should make its way into some stockings. Yeah, there it is. That's the card. Look at that monster! Yeah, look how big. It's these... gonna be hard to fit in a stocking. Yeah, we got to grease up the stocking sock. first. Ah, uh, yeah, of course. A bigger sock. Yeah, yeah. So it. Uh, you know, it performed very well. I mean, it was it was right up there, you know, kind of with the 6800 XT. I love how it trades games. blows with the, the 6700 XT in these charts. Wait a minute. I wonder if we messed up that graph. I don't know. That could be. Uh, this should be the 60, the 7700 XT here, right? Okay. So, yeah, you messed I up I admit the graph. it. Yeah, hey, we can go. admit when we're wrong at PCP.com. We can. .com. So, yeah, this, yeah. It's, yeah, it's faster than a 6700 XT. That's what matters, right? It's the drop yeah. and replacement in the lineup. Look at that. It's actually faster than a 2080 Ti and Watch Dogs. I know. That's impressive. It's faster than a 2080 Ti and RDR2. Maybe this is kind of a good thing at 399 From everything I'm hearing, the 7800 <laughs> XT is still one of the top-selling graphics cards uh, that's available. And again, it's it's that price performance and the next generation. Well, it's at least, you know, up there. Uh, and yeah, it's about damn time that we saw a 7700 XT get to 399 because that should sell well at that price point. And here's to AMD. Keep being competitive because yeah. $1,200 RTX 4080 <clears throat> is, is not it. Our next news Moving. story, this is from uh, Tech Power Up. AMD has open-sourced FSR3. They promised that they would, and now the FSR3 source code is on GPU open. This is an announcement from Thursday, just after our last podcast. Yeah, yeah and they're promising uh, future game support for games near you, such as Cyberpunk and Starfield, or... You know, any number of other games that they've got going on. So the war of frame generation is heating up out there. And this is uh, AMD's latest salvo in FSR3. So what did they do immediately after they open sourced the 
enterprising individuals uh, immediately started um, porting this to uh, games that were available, Cyberpunk uh, among them. So they were uh, getting some really, really good results out of uh, Cyberpunk uh, 2077 and seeing vastly increased uh, frame uh, speed, frame generation, frame times, and all that uh, out of this. So what do they do next uh, after uh, hacking the open source? I don't want to say hacking. It's not really hacking. So they grabbed the open source and and built a, an extension DLL out of it. Made use of it. So what did they do immediately? What did they do next? <laughs> they took it to RTX cards and uh, brought FSR three to uh, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven on RTX thirty series cards at least. And darned if it didn't beat the crap out of DLSS two uh, so far <laughs> with good with actually good results. So the point here is that um, is. You know, does it sound too AMD shilly if I said AMD's on your side? No, no I'm not going to go that far. But it's just interesting what happens when you open source stuff and the community does interesting things with it. And FSR three looks fairly promising as a frame generation and um, and performance improvement. Can I take the counter really good point results. here? Can I argue a little bit? Okay. So the the problem with this is, uh, according to this article here. This is not a perfect solution as performance may not be optimal and gamers should expect visual artifacts, glitches, and an overall worse experience than any native implementation. Great. I can't wait not, for a glitchy, not, not unreliable case. mod <laughs> to bring FSR3. This is, this is a very version one thing. It ha- they just released this a few days ago, and here we We're are. We're talking about Cyberpunk here as well. Well, this yes. That brought, We're not talking about Starfield, though. It's a tough We're one. talking about a much more mature no. game at this mm-hmm. point. No longer drops cars on your head just randomly. There may be some issues with Ratchet and Clank, uh, Dying Light 2, Hitman 3, for example, but it looks very promising for continuing to develop this even on RTX. So, anyway, this uh, is uh, this is not an easy uh, drop in. You got to do a couple of different things in order to get this to work. The instructions hmm. will be in the show notes later on. When we do you, will it get you banned? Is this one show? of those technologies that will uh, show up as a, a cheat and get you? Strangely enough, banned? this this one's not going to get you banned. Good. Okay. All right. So our next story, Intel frame generation technology for XS. Remember XESS? No, I think it's XS. Okay. Well, it's Intel frame (laughs) generation. So it's it's XE super sampling. Well, they're calling it extra SS. I mean, if if they could just come up with other ways of using the sound, they will. I just love they're this not first a, they're not ashamed. Here. Intel could be the third major PC player. Just stop there. Of course, the potential has been there <laughs> since the beginning with Arc. Could you're saying the Matrox isn't working on this? Well, you know that Matrox gave in and <laughs> started using Radeon GPUs. Do you think Intel will someday sell a Radeon powered Arc GPU? Wouldn't mm. that be great? Remember they had they had Radeon graphics in an Intel CPU once. They did. That, they did. Through. Was was that in a Nook? No. I, I'm sorry. Well, I, it was a moment. What? Was it in a Nook? <laughs> Do you mean a Nook? <laughs> yep. Sorry. They didn't support those for very long. So it, this is a this. sort of Intel kicking down the door of we we do frame generation too. Yeah. That's like kind hey. of how I read that with sort of a plaintive cry. And and what better um, implementation of frame generation than an Arc graphics card, which 
you know, there's concern about it maybe lagging behind some of the flagship models out there from other companies, but if you mm-hmm. can generate some free frames, possibly to lower be honest, the latency, they're re- increase the latency. They're doing it in the process. No, no. This they're doing this a little differently. The other two green and red teams do it using pure interpolation. So that clearly takes a few extra micro moments. Doesn't doesn't matter how long it takes. The problem is is it takes a little bit extra time and here therein lies some of the latency we're seeing. I, for a second, I thought you were going to explain to me how interpolation did not add latency, which of course it does. It does. Of course it does. It does. Um, but Intel's taken a slightly different approach. They're using what's called extrapolation, not intra, extra. What they're hmm. doing is using some AI techniques to do prediction of where parts of the scene are going to. They don't actually need to see the next frame so they're generating that based upon some AI algorithms and some what are called warping algorithms to figure out where some of those pixels are going mm-hmm. and to just simply generate those, reducing oh. the latency problem in frame generation. You know, so they do have a slightly different take on this. Google Stadia was ahead of its time because it had that pioneering okay. technology right. for reverse <laughs> latency. Okay. But if they had been able to leverage generative AI to predict yes. future pixels... They could have they created were too an experience soon. that actually the game would be playing itself before you even picked up the controller. You're like, wow, I win again. You just kick back on your couch. It's just like watching somebody yes. play through a game on YouTube. But all fun you and get games all the trophies. starts to hallucinate. Mm-hmm. Too then you wake soon, up and Junior. It's all just a fever dream. Too soon. Via Anon's tech, Intel reiterates, we are not going to spin off our foundry services, okay? We're not Glowflow. <laughs> AMD, we're not sorry, gonna, we're not AMD. <laughs> you know, I, I guess I could I could chat about this for a few yeah. minutes, but, uh, you know, uh, Intel's kind of business model really relies on having their own foundries. And for many, many years, this this was a, a net positive for the company is, is they had, you know, some of the best engineers out there. They had some of the best technology. Uh, they, they, they always led AMD and other foundry partners by, you know, a node at pretty much any one time. And it was always catching up with Intel. And then Intel hit 14 nanometer and it was 14 plus, 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 plus. And uh, in fact, you know, density actually went backwards uh, at one point in that 14 plus, plus, plus node, I think. Um, Performance was nice. I mean, but they tried to go to 10 nanometer and it just didn't work, didn't work, didn't work. And then TSMC went to seven. And even though 10 Intel is very close and overall dimensions and, and, you know, transistor switching performance to seven, uh, TSMC got theirs working right off the bat. And uh, Intel did not, even though, you know, density and performance are right there. They couldn't manufacture it worth a damn. I mean, yields were, horrific and it never really made them much money and finally they're doing okay with it and moving along but we've also seen what happens when you try to spin off uh, a foundry and that would be global foundries and they're now kind of i mean they're they, they still produce a lot of wafers but it's all kind of legacy stuff. I think their most advanced uh, process is is still 12 nanometer. And uh, 
yeah, they're they're selling wafers, but it's it's not cutting edge, and it's not competitive with what TSMC or even you know Intel has right now. And uh, we could see that even if you know Intel were to spin it off and still rely on them as their primary partner, when you are your own company, you got to pay your people with what you've got, and you can't take losses on wafer starts, and you can't overspend on R and D. Because your product is the process. And so it would eventually just start kind of going downhill because, yeah, they're trying to get customers come in for for uh, third-party stuff. But it's still a very limited group of people. They, they don't have as mature tools, especially in the software side, as TSMC and Samsung do uh, for getting uh, these these products up to, up to speed. Um, used to be really, really, really tough to, you know, kind of lay out a, a chip and, and, and do libraries and whatnot with Intel. Um, and that's why it took their engineers, but they were able to do it at a very, very low level. And so, you know, their products work very fast, but time to market is important and uh, software has improved, especially when it comes to, you know, chip layout and uh, RTL and all of that fun stuff so yeah intel really can't let go of their manufacturing uh because if they do they they will be at the mercy of that group as they try to make budgets and uh either they raise wafer prices or they slow down research and development and buying new machines so yeah it's in their best interest at this time to uh to keep all of that close and to really push it, push it real good. You think they're going to find customers who want their cutting edge process technology? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all about price and uh, if they can offer a competitive wafer price to fill up that extra capacity that they have across all of their fabs, then yes, they're going to do it because you want to keep, those at full capacity, uh, even if you're kind of selling some wafers at a at either break even or, or a small loss, it, it just you don't ever want to shut those lines down ever. Not even for Christmas. Mm. And by the way, there's a little present hiding under the tree. Well, the 386 tree, and by tree I mean if you look in to a 386 processor, every Intel 386 processor ever made, according to Tom's Hardware's Mark Tyson here. You can see the PG initials in there under the microscope. That's Pat Gelsinger. Of course, uh, instrumental in the uh, 8386 processor. Introduced in 1985, it was really a revelation for Intel. It was the first time they uh, didn't have a second source, and they just said no. And AMD had to reverse engineer the processor. Then there was litigation. That, that never le- led to any uh, soap operas, did it? Not at all. And or by 1990, 1991, AMD could finally sell the AM386, which they did. And, the, yep. and by then, they were on the kind of process tech where they could pump that thing up to 40 megahertz. With yeah, the right was crystal on your board. I have at least one 40 megahertz AM386 here. But the one that's installed in a computer down at my feet here only runs at 33 because the clock chip 
does not sound mm. Did you get the socketed crystal or the socketed chip? It's not socketed, but it's it's all surface mount stuff. I should just swap it out. I can buy one mm-hmm. of those chips for like five bucks. Yeah. I would uh, think so. I don't know where we were going with this, but yes. PG. PG. It's, it's on the 386 chip. You know, you need to own your own fab if you want to put your initials on the chip. That's, that's really, I think. <laughs> Do you? Can't you just order it that way? Maybe. Mm, I don't, I don't, I don't, know. I don't I think so. It. No. All right. Something new that I'm sure we're going to see more about at CES. Asus, they had a press release the other day, yesterday, in fact, for the ProArt cases. Now, I've been outspoken about my admiration I guess is the word, for the ProArt brand. Not just because they make really nice monitors for creators and stuff. And I've seen those in person and they're phenomenal uh, looking monitors. But the design aesthetic Yeah, the, yeah, yeah they point. have components now. They have, they have motherboards yeah. and coolers and GPUs and they're all very kind of minimalist. Not an RGB in sight, by the way. So if you don't like mm, the mm, rainbow, what do they call it? Unicorn vomit look then you will love this. This is very much along the lines, for those listening, of Fractal's Torrent, or really more like the Fractal North case, where you've got these mm. slats on the front, but it's com- like a There's higher flow. like vertical strakes or something like that. Yes. And just very minimal looking. Uh, some practical features, though. Uh, some of the stuff on here, I wish I had a picture of the top, but the power button along the top, has a locking slider on it so that you oh, nice. your cat cannot accidentally turn off your PC. There's a completely tool-free installation for GPUs. It's just mm-hmm. like simple, like click it into place, and it actually looks robust, not like those crappy Dell Octaplex plastic <laughs> retention things that break. Um, I don't know. I just I love the look of the ProArt stuff, and now they have... This is apparently just the... F- this is apparently the first of many... Pro art case designs to come. It's the end of the GTX era, by the way, in case you didn't know this. The GeForce GTX 16 series is going to be discontinued in the first quarter of next year. Board channels claim. So I'm sure you'll still find it in pre built PCs at Best Buy that claim a 1650s is a high end solution, but. Oh, until God, then, there you go. For years. Until then. Yeah. Board wow, channels. I, I never actually touched one of those. A Weird. 1650? Or any of the sixteen sixty for my dad. One of the few that doesn't require PCIe, and uh, yes, yep. for whatever reason, the computer that he ended up with has a proprietary power supply in it. So, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I'm I'm just googling the world's fastest low profile graphics card real quick. Let me see if it is. Oh no, it's that RTX. Uh, what is it like? Low a, profile forty sixty. It is a forty sixty now. Okay. Okay. For a while, I thought it was a workstation. <laughs> the A two thousand. Yeah, this this I watched this. This works. But yeah, uh, man, see the forty sixty finds its niche. I guess if you're limited to look low at profile, that, but this it's is so dual. Wee. This is dual. It almost looks. Though. It almost looks digitally reduced. <laughs> oh, look how, look at how thick this. Oh, there's just two cards sitting on top of each other. Okay, that makes more sense. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, the the oh. era we we're living in the era of even low profile cards needing more than a single slot cooler. Yeah, well, that is low profile now. Two slots. Yes. for the for the visually impaired. This is a half height three fan low profile. Yes, forty sixty. <laughs> And you know you do all that work, you you get it in there, you pay the money for it, and it's still a forty sixty. Get excited! 
it's time for in security corner and uh oh great terrapin broke ssh right jeremy hellstrom yeah that's really sucks because up until now even if you had a breach in your network you could count on ssh to keep at least some of your traffic secure and encrypted and uh apparently just like everything else they've ruined it for us we're just not allowed to have nice things uh, the only good news is that you already have to be man in the middle so that someone is intercepting coming and going traffic. But as I said, SSH used to be fine. It was still encrypted. It still was no way to really get data out of it usefully. So with the Terrapin attack, they've found two specific algorithms that uh, probably 70% of SSH clients use out there. Cha-Cha 20 Poly 1305 or if you prefer CVC-ETM, which is, you know, a little bit shorter. Regardless, uh, with those two algorithms, they can then screw around with uh, the incremental counter, which was used to ensure that SSH was secure because what was sent was marked. And if it didn't match, then it would dump the session and you'd have to start over again, or it would do a variety of other things for those, you know, that are familiar with SSH. By doing that, by inserting these little uh, ignore commands to be able to run up the counter or, run, or delay the counter so that you can get it to ignore some of the stuff that's been sent, two of the things that they've been able to figure out it can let you do so far, and this is brand new, so there's probably a lot worse that we just haven't figured out about, but the two major ones was there's extensions for SSH that present uh, keystroke timing attacks. It is literally possible to figure out words based on how the tiny pauses between the letters being entered, right? There are algorithms that are pretty, pretty good at figuring out, you know, where you're typing just based on how long it takes you to get uh, to the next key. So with that, they don't even have to worry about breaking the encryption. They can just capture uh, the keystrokes, feed it in and get it. And the other nasty thing is that it can trick uh, your client into suddenly switching from SSGA to down to SHA-1, which is, as I mentioned, a complete and utter nightmare because of how insecure SHA-1 has become over the years, which is why we use you it. You should have SHA-1 turned off on your server by at this point. In which case your that's traffic just, dies. But then again, that's maybe better. you can trick it into do SHA-1, right? They're just trying to figure this out. So it sounds utterly terrifying. Because, you know, man-in-the-middle attacks are so incredibly common and in some ways easy to pull off between two devices that you're <clears throat> more or less depending on SSH to keep everything secure. So, yeah, this is not good, and I don't think it's going to get any better. Ours does a really good technical dive into it, if you're curious. Mm -hmm. Excellent. It's it's not like uh, you've never had to fix a server while flying down the highway in a passenger seat of uh, SSHing to various places on your phone or your iPad or your laptop or from a coffee shop or anything. So people are constantly out there with their mobile devices, SSHing to remote servers. So there's plenty of opportunities to for attack surface, I, I should really say, to yeah. present this uh, man in the middle as a, as a really significant potential problem. Drinks up. Yep. This, that's not a good one. Well, this next story will make you feel better then because Xfinity had a data breach impacting 36 million individuals. <clears throat> this is a story at Security Week. It's recently disclosed. It involved an exploitation of Citrix bleed vulnerability. 
Jeremy, do you remember uh, Citrix Bleed? Oh, I know. how could you forget Citrix Bleed? Hey, I, I think Citrix Bleed server stuff is dead. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those your security appliance is broken, you know, yeah. situations which it's almost I, I I love to hate, I hate to love. You know, one of those two are, are definitely true, and I, I only about thirty four or thirty three million customers actually were affected by this. Um, the fact that they came out with a number of 36 million is uh, to mean that all also all our employees, you know, also got, uh, got snagged in this. What they've stolen is of probably no consequence to anyone. It's your name, your address, your last four, your social security numbers, your hashed password, uh, as well as your challenge response to your Q and a uh, for live uh, studio audiences uh, when you're on the phone and saying, "Hey, what's the name of your, you know, uh, original name of your mom, or you know, whatever stuff like that." I- I'm sure it's of no consequence to anybody that you know that was stolen. I know mine did. I was a customer of Xfinity at the time, so because well, they're just a sort of announcing it now and pushing the patches out, but it's been like since August that this has been being uh, leveraged. Yeah, unfortunately, you're right, and that. Um, Prior to the patch coming out, which was recent, and that's why this is a story, it looked like the this has been exploited since the August-September timeframe. So hmm. bad actors have had their way with the Xfinity data for several months before Xfinity claims, and probably rightfully so, they patched as soon as it was available. Oh, but sure. But it was too late. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Next, from Bleeping Computer, Mozilla has patched Firefox Thunderbird against zero-day exploits in attack. So, yeah, just keep them updated. When they say uh, an update is available or it wants to auto-update, just let it. I mean, I don't like the Firefox background service running all the time any more than you do, but it is a good idea to keep up-to-date. Well, this this zero-day vulnerability is brought to you by a consumed environment called WebP. Now, I know there's a lot of people out there really relying on WebP images when they're uh, perusing their mail or using Mozilla. You know, it really doesn't matter. They don't care. They have brought in the LibWebP library to read those images, whether you like it or not. And thanks to that capability, a carefully crafted WebP image of a certain size will conveniently allow for a buffer overload or buffer overflow and a remote code execution just for reading the images. Thank you so much. Uh, again, this is being exploited in the wild. Um, so patch your Firefox or your Firefox browser and your Thunderbird email reader against just casually reading a message if you have image rendering turned on or browsing to the quote unquote wrong site at the wrong time mm-hmm. with a WebP image. Don't do that. Which Patch could be stuff. just an ad fed to you on the banner on the side. You know, let's not get into all the side-loading hey, possibilities you, here and the yeah, attacks. Before surface. you move on, <laughs> update your Chrome too. Fifth week in a row. There's another zero-day vulnerability. So, yeah, uh, upgrade you fatigue know, is real, but do it. Just, I, I left that one out because that, that should be obvious. Uh, you should be updating your Chrome uh, every day. Um, checking Pretty for updates much. Uh, as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. And your this Firefox is eight zero and days um, and for Chrome this and year, or is it this month? Anyway, five Chrome weeks in a row. At least, okay, five weeks in a row now. Chrome's done at least one zero day a week. 
I thought it was eight zero days this year for them, but maybe just five in a row. Yeah, they're saving them up. They're really so. they're pulling for oh, the high sorry, score on this. Zero um, days technically. Isn't Chrome hmm. the biggest install base? So, um, Chrome has a larger installed base than Windows. So, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, yeah. it's in everything. Everybody uses Chrome, it seems. So, <laughs> of course, that's being attacked the most. From the Hacker News, beware. Experts reveal new details on zero click Outlook RCE exploit. Zero click exploit. Oh, gosh. This is, this is horrid. Jeremy, have you heard about this one? Uh, this is... thankfully, no, I hadn't. So I'm going to just turn off the, uh, audio for a little bit. And once you can just yeah. give me a wave, once you're done talking about this, that's funny. Give me a wave because this is an audio based problem with outlook. What outlook allows incoming messages to do with calendar invites and, and, uh, calendar, um, uh, additions oh, man. is to include a customized, um, audio announcement. Uh, the initial or the original problem was that the parsing of the link to that audio file could be interpreted as a remote access and what that remote access would do when your, um, system ingested that without even looking at it, without even reading it, uh, was to essentially present your NTLM credentials to a foreign service and where they could be captured and then you could be spoofed. Um, that was eventually patched. There was a, a, a Windows Foundation remote code execution in images, uh, I believe as well. Uh, those were both patched, but now fortunately, and that was patched a couple of months months ago, like earlier in the year, like May, you know, June yeah. time frame. Okay, I know but that now, one. now these pre um, uh, ex uh, exploits could be combined to create yet a new exploit, which is not yet patched. And I believe is being exploited in the wild right now uh, to deliver the sound file. But this, this one does require user interaction. So there's at least that gating process there. Um, and this is so all just to preload the noises that sound file. makes that no one wants to hear in the first place. That's correct. Yes. <sighs> Anyway, so this is yet to be patched or there is uh, about to be, uh, this one's about to be patched, but um, I, I don't know what to say about this. Um, Microsoft has holes in their operating system and their Every day components. There is, uh, Swiss cheese is jealous. Anyway, the recommendation currently is if you belong to a organization capable of doing this is to block outgoing SMB connections from your desktop or from your organization to anything remote. You should probably be doing that anyway. But or I maybe can guarantee not, you, know, I you there know. are four stupid proprietary apps that depend on that to be able to function. Of course. We're message block mounting a remote device every day, Jeremy. We need it. It's business continuity, don't you know? Yep. We don't care about your little problem. Uh, speaking of businesses and, you know, weird outliers, I don't know if that's a... Yeah. Weird Al. Uh, via Reuters, BlackBerry posts surprise... I, I said BlackBerry. We're talking about BlackBerry yes. here. Posts surprise yeah. quarterly profit on resilient cybersecurity demand. Does this mean that there's people this, out there still using RIM devices that need yet. security support for? <laughs> I need security dates. <laughs> I'll never <laughs> stop using my Pearl. <laughs> the physical hey, keyboard. Not, I can actually type without looking while driving. 
This has nothing to do with the handhelds, but it is oh, the company okay. behind behind the old handhelds that everybody knew as the irreplaceable BlackBerry. Come to find out, they're not dead yet, as you uh, uh, aptly right. point out. Yes, and apparently they've actually posted a profit mm-hmm. due to uh, their their service for. Um, helping companies with their cybersecurity. I don't know whether that's in recovery or prevention, <laughs> but my point is on this. My point on this is that there is so much security problems or so many security problems or so much fear about this that even BlackBerry is making money off of providing yes. a service either in recovery well, or prevention. I'm impressed, because they, frankly. They hold on to a lot of the communication, the secure communications patents. Ah, uh, okay. which was one of their biggest things. So you'll find them in cars. I forget the exact OS that uh, it's called, but like Ford and a bunch of them use it. But mm-hmm. in this case, what they're ah. really aiming to do is try and provide uh, some sort of solution that you can integrate your internet of shit devices into. So it will actually prevent once a flaw is discovered, the, the BlackBerry will communication engine will stop anything coming that would resemble that. So this is sort of what they're trying to do is, is secure a lot of the IOT stuff, which is, you know, why I guess MGM and Caesars were part of the reason that they made a profit. They gave them a whole bunch of money. And so it's nice to see that someone at least is thinking about it because the manufacturers sure aren't. They, uh, they create their little Internet of Thing device, and two years later, they've got a new model, and you're never getting another update again. And it doesn't matter how insecure it is. Well, well BlackBerry thinking, thinking discarded. Oh, sorry, BlackBerry was going to have an IPO for its IoT business, but it discarded yep. yeah, that plan. They're going to split now. By the way, Jeremy, it's Internet of division. Things. I think you mispronounced the word <laughs> things. I'm pretty sure I didn't. Okay. Their cybersecurity division looks profitable from their IoT division, yes. so they're probably going to split mm-hmm. those off into mm-hmm. separate. It's because they're, or they're cooking, or they're cooking the books, and this was all BS. We don't know. Hey, I don't know. It's time for gaming quick hits, and uh, first up, the finals apparently got better. I tried the closed beta. They they invited me to it for God only knows what reason. And so it's a first-person shooter with three classes. You get a light, a medium, and a heavy. You know, very self-explanatory as to what goes on. The light gets a grappling hook. And hey, you always like playing with grappling hooks. That's fun. So you're running around, and you realize, wait, there's breaching charges, and the heavy's got this weird charge attack. And you can go straight through a wall. And that wall stays destroyed throughout the, re- the remainder of the match. So it's like, hey, this is fun. Destroyable uh environments are wonderful and then you realize that the whole way of uh, they instead of points it's money uh it's in game you don't have to pay to do anything and honestly they've definitely not going to pay to play for this free uh, to play first person shooter you can buy hats but nothing that actually makes you better but so you're running around and doing this crazy stuff and you get to pick up a bag and so now you can't use your weapons but your other two teammates should help you get to the little thing where you dump the bag off and you then have to stand there and defend it for what seemed like about eight minutes. I think it was only about two, but you're (laughs) defending it from two other teams of three that know exactly where you are because it's marked on the map and you just are stuck there waiting for this damn thing to process. And if you die and lose it, whoever is there for that last second of the two minutes gets all the money. 
you add that to the destructible terrain. And so what you'd end up doing was, oh, a lot of these boxes are up on a building. So after you jumped up there, well, someone would just go underneath where it was, blow out the floor and thump, it falls down. And now you ain't guarding anything. So you got to jump down. And, and so it was fun. And then it just became boring. It's just, okay, I'm stuck here for two minutes trying to defend stuff. Well, Rock, Paper, Scissors tried out the full version now that it's released. And it actually sounds a little more interesting. They've fixed some of the things. I think they've shortened down the amount of time that it takes to get the money uh, reward. They've got a couple of new gameplay things. And they've sort of got, as you play, you know, you instead of Counter-Strike where it's the money per match and these are the weapons you can buy, you get a sort of steady counter as you're playing and you win. And so they took their light from being a guy with a submachine gun and a grappling hook to a guy with a sniper and a grappling hook, which is just, you know, they go together perfectly, right? Like tea and scones. And then after a while, they bought another upgrade for this light that just made them invisible when they stood still. Now, now, and now I'm getting flashbacks to Quake 2 CTF. Yeah. Right? Huh. Okay. So Carry it's, on. it's free to play. You can literally just grab it on Steam and play with it. Uh, the only way to get better weapons and stuff is to just play more. So, of course, you're going to get beaten by the people who have put several hundred hours into it, but you're not going to get beat by the people that dumped several hundred dollars into it. So, I don't know. I might try it again. I, I, like I say, the first go of it, I was like, yeah, it's it's interesting. I love the destructible terrain, but the best way to win is kind of boring. So, it's sounds like it's gotten better. Now, our weekly sojourn to Humble for the Humble Bundle feature, hosted by Brett. You know... You've got a Rift, you've got an Oculus, and you're looking at this expensive piece of equipment going, now what do I do with it? Well, here's something. You're probably office, looking for a few things. Office simulator? <laughs> yes. PC oh, okay. PC assembler. PC yeah. PC builder simulation. Uh, worthwhile. Is that a break-in you know, simulator? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna poop on that. But the point here is, is that you're probably looking for a few other things to do. Here's a fast bundle. $25 will get you all of the content to play and experience a handful of VR games or simulations that I guess from what they tell me works quite well on your device. Play on the Oculus, play on the Vive, play on the Risk or Rift. There you go. 25 bucks get you some get you some VR con- or headset content. Nintendo Wii so quality graphics. It maybe does the Angry Birds one put you in the view of the bird as you're flying? That's a <laughs> I'm not entirely question. sure. Let's see, Let's we see. should they should pop over to that Isle of Pigs. Watch take a this look. Little preview video here. Okay, here's all right. Me. Let's do it. Pigs going to the island. Angry Birds VR. Okay. Oh, you actually shoot the the bird. Oh, that's nice. a fun shot. Okay, that's I'm not gonna bad. be the bird. It's not bad. I yeah, but when you get kind of I, I don't know. You get no, to like yeah. This just looks like early 3D camera exploits, like N64 when the game was better as a side-scroller. I don't know. I'm just being... Look, the point is is that you've got this great set of goggles. Did you see my air quotes? You've got this great set of goggles. I and you're I know, I've been, hold on. Let me, uh, let me put you back on camera one. Okay. Air quotes. Air quotes. You've got this great set of goggles, and you're looking for some fun things to do with it. Here's $25 worth of fun. Hey, don't Score. be a hater. The first time, by the way, a uh, fun VR story. 
Uh, first time I ever used a VR headset was at the old PC per office. Well, not the old, old, but the second to oldest. And I had gone down there for a visit down in Kentucky and I was trying it out and I don't know what the environment was or the game, but the office used to be multiple rooms and Ryan had ripped it all out. So it was all an open floor plan, but there was still a support column in the center and uh, I walked right into it. I couldn't hear Ken saying, pull, pull, because I had headphones on. I was immersed. This world just slammed right into the pole. Oh, my God. That would have been fantastic to see. Yes. Bam. Uh, so it's pity they didn't film it and publish it. Did you break anything? Yeah. I No, thankfully, I did not break the expensive headset. Oh. Okay. Um, no, super neutral. You're right on time as usual. Yeah, when you tune it at eleven twenty three Eastern, we're you're you know, we're barely That's getting perfect. started. It yep. just feels very, like very, this will never end. Uh, very hitting the stride. Okay, uh, next, last next, uh, story next, in last, gaming. Yes, yep, yep. I was on the wrong line here. Okay. Finally, in gaming, wow, you quick didn't hits. just delete your email. What? <sighs> I just deleted the email. I didn't even look. Steam. Did you get an email from Steam 2023 year in review? It broke down exactly what you played. So you can be horrified by the number of hours you spent on benchmarks for games you've never actually played once. If you're me. But some of the the graphs that they're showing you are embarrassingly good looking. I mean, the embarrassing part is the amount of data in there that are like, oh, I cannot believe how much time I spent on that. But the graphs themselves are like, Oh, well, I mean, that's impressive looking anyway. Oh, like like these infographic type things. Very attractive. Yes, very, very attractive looking infographics. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. They put some time into it uh, in Uh, showing you just how much time AI generated and they put no time into it. So by by making the the data harvesting attractive, you're no longer Mm -hmm. as upset. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, uh, I can look at how I I skewed towards this particular genre with these. Yeah. Yeah, you uh, are I think what you'd you made... play. It says, <laughs> "Oh, that's a, that's accusatory." Um, I think uh, you you mentioned how much time you spent in benchmarking mm-hmm. um, on this one, and uh, perhaps that skewed your uh, your year in review a little bit. Yeah, I don't need to know how much time I spent in every game no. that's in my Steam library that I literally don't use for anything else. So, uh, folks, if you want to see how you wasted your time this year, especially with uh, with respect to what you played in Steam, maybe you should go look and see if you've got that email and go check it out. Hey, it's the only Steam survey that's accurate because, as we know, (laughs) survey is absolute bull crap. Look, the hardware survey is informative and accurate. If you want to know what the Chinese market is doing with regard to low-end Intel processors and NVIDIA graphics cards then by all means, because it's like 40% China. And for some reason, it looks like no one uses a Radeon graphics card at all. So you get like no one does down the list. And I think you need to start bowing down more to your APU masters. That's what I think. So many more APUs out there than you possibly can imagine. Well, they're more than on the Steam hardware survey. According to the Steam hardware survey, there are no APUs. Although when it gets to just Radeon graphics, I think that is an APU. Yes. It doesn't specify... It will definitely be. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we get to picks of the week, we have a mini review here from Jeremy. In live. He's going to do it live. He's going to do it 
Avermedia Live Ultra. Right now, if I can get it in the shot without moving the camera a bit. <laughs> I'll rotate the. Oh. Is, is oh, it it's RGB, RGB device? It is so RGB. Okay. Oh. But it okay. is, and it's so easy to manipulate as I can barely mm-hmm. <laughs> see what's well, on the TV here we'll on the, the monitor. Yeah. There's the attractive packaging that it comes with. Oh, okay. It's an HDMI 2.1 capture card, but it's external. It uses USB-C, uh, 10 gigabits, as opposed to, you know, you having to crack open your case and put one in and, you know, add yet another heat producing component to your car, to your system, or, you know, uh, trying to depend on Radeon Relive or uh, GeForce Live to be able to capture your stuff. So it's tiny little device comes with everything you need. So it gives you a USB-C cord, two HDMI cables that are properly HDMI 2.1. So you're not worried about, oh, look, I got a crappy cable. And it does have an audio, a three and a half inch, three and a half inch uh, connector for your audio, if you want to do that. And you can even put in uh, your your favorite, favorite gaming controller plugged directly into it, which makes sense a little bit later. It's got a bit of a little piece of software that comes with it that lets you change the RGBs because, you know, that's the most important oh, thing. Obviously. But, <laughs> yeah. It, it also more, lets you... There's practical stuff in here too, for some reason. Yes. Like you can pick what HDMI generation. Like if you can't handle HDMI 2.1, hey, you can say, no, go back to native 2.0. It lets you pick all the resolutions and refresh rates. So essentially what this can do is for instance, I'm on a 1440p with a maximum 144 hertz refresh rate. It can only actually capture 60 hertz, but it doesn't interrupt the monitor at all. So I am still experiencing full performance here as it's capturing via OBS because the thing is with this is it's a capture card. It's the hardware to solve everything. You need software to be able to capture stream and that's on you. That, that's your choice. Well, it's, it's OBS. Uh, Avermedia. It's, it's, yeah, OBS. yeah, it's OBS that Avermedia recommends because, I mean, it's a smart choice. There, there, so many people out there use it that, you know, if you run into an issue, someone's already run into it, you can be supported. I, you, it works on Windows or Mac. And one nice thing about being an external card is that it doesn't care what the source is. So if you want to capture your PlayStation or your Xbox, well, you just feed the Xbox into the car, the Ultra Gamer, and then out to the TV, but the USB-C is going to whatever computer you're going to use to capture all the data. So away you go. It's It makes sense to have it external. Honestly, like, Brett, when you first saw, saw this, you figured it would be an internal card, which yes. makes sense. I mean, you're using an internal card, Sebastian. You're, what, the Black Magic? No, no, no. I have an Avery Media Live Gamer 4K in this. Hmm. Well, okay. <clears throat> I mean, obviously, EVGA thought that external was good. Yeah, yep. uh, I have an, a here's Sebastian an EVGA had card a, had a, right here. You had a few issues with that off and on, didn't you? What? Well, this uh, the Avermedia. the Avermedia, I have issues with where I have to reboot. Okay, um, but uh, yeah, but the the EVGA one's Jeremy. fine. It's yeah, I'm going to get to the pass through. Okay. Nothing. Okay, cool. I have noticed absolutely nothing. It's and just that a straight pass through. That there should not occur yeah. latency if you're just passing through the signal. 
Now, and there I, is I latency that that in the capture. The insane. Yes. Yeah. Oh, uh, the the capture. Yes, oh, the, the capture is very nice, but that's more on OBS than it is on Avermedia. But I'd also like to point out that I use this with the Monoprice gigantic flat screen. Hmm. Had no problems whatsoever. And so that's going from 3440 by 1440 to, uh, I think it was capture. Well, sorry, with a, they sent me a firmware update. Super easy to do. No problems. You just plug, you make sure it's plugged in, run it, and you're done. Power off, power back on. So it was capturing yep, firmware that updates, without a problem. Unless they brick the device, in, in the, then in which case, well, it's I mean, ideal. That's the fun of flashing. Yeah, I ended up uh, forgetting Yolo. that I was recording something and played for over an hour. The card and you shared that never, with the, the world. The, Wait, how many how many seconds well, long are these clips? These are not very long clips. Oh no, these are close. These are quick. Oh, okay. But no, I just sort of I'd forgotten that I hit go on it, and for an hour and 10, 15 minutes or so, it recorded everything flawlessly had no issues whatsoever it didn't overheat didn't get upset i mean hey it's uh it's what you need if you want to be a streamer or if you like recording stuff locally yeah it does come with a 300 dollars price tag oh 299.99 but for capture cards it's a little up there but it's not out of the ballpark Right, you can spend a lot more than that on something with this uh, capability, and possibly even get a, a less good product. I mean, I have to admit, it's the only one I've ever used. I'm not overly interested in streaming my gameplay or recording it to embarrass myself with later. But for someone who's got zero interest and zero experience in doing it, dead simple. You know, USB goes in, HDMI's go in, install the software install OBS, figure out where the record button is, uh, maybe change your audio levels a little bit on it because it happily captured the same mic I'm using here, which is just USB into my desktop without anything else. Did not need to add the extra audio input. You can if you want. If you've got a preferred device, away you go and do it. Or if you're playing something that doesn't have one built in. But yeah, if you're looking to become a streamer and you want good quality, you want the audio to actually sound proper, you want to be able to capture stuff at a reasonable resolution without, you know, having to mess with your own monitor and drag it down to 60 Hertz and so on and so forth. This thing does the job. I'm impressed. That's the key here because Avermedia makes other products. Other companies of course make products, but the one that I use the live gamer 4k it's HDMI 2.0. It'll do 1440, 144 pass through, but it will not do anything higher, any resolution higher than that. After that, you're down to 60. Yeah. Again, Which is frustrating because now you're messing with your monitor to right. for the cart. So if you're a high refresh monitor user, then you're going to have to pay more. HDMI 2.1 capture cards have a premium attached to them. So yeah. you go from 200 with the Live Gamer 4K to 300 because it's ultra. It's 2.1 HDMI. J- Jeremy, is that the price on this device? What is the number on that? 299 Do you know? That's straight okay. from Avermedia. You might be able to find it on sale for less. That's that. Let's move on to picks of the week, Josh. The la- the final pick of the of uh, twenty final. This is your pick of the yeah, year. Is- pick of the year, is- Josh. Forget forget whatever you're going to say. Pick okay. of the year. Oh. What was the best product? Twenty twenty three. Putting you on the spot. 
Un, this is 5800 X 3D. Okay, that was that's mm. pretty easy. Mm. Wait, that that's came out, that came out right. in 2022. I guess it was still the best product of the year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sadly. 7800 X3D is pretty good, but yeah. 7800 yeah, X3D. Right. All right. Pick of the year is over. That's the pick of the year for everyone. <laughs> Josh, please get us started. All right. You know what? Uh, years ago, I, I bought my first 34-inch ultra-wide. Um, probably, gosh, six, seven now. It's It's been a long time. Um, and uh, I've loved it. It's from Alienware. It's an IPS monitor that could be uh, overclocked to 120 hertz. It worked great for everything. I mean, movies, because, you know, stuff at 24 frames and 30 frames and 60, it all worked great on this 120 hertz monitor. It's getting long in the tooth. And now, now we have really nice things. So the upgraded version is is an OLED from Alienware, and it is a stunning-looking product. G-Sync Ultimate, that means it's actually got the G-Sync hardware. HDR 400, it's it's still only, uh, you know, 3440 by 1440, but... Fancy-looking. Oh, it is. It's I nice mean, looking. the actual design itself is, is fantastic. And so if, if you're loving your 34-inch ultra-wide then, boy, this is, and I've had absolutely no problems with my Alienware monitor, and I, I hear very few issues now. Their computers and whatnot, probably different, but you know, again, this is this is all Dell stuff, and and yeah, I've had nothing but good times with this monitor that I'm still using after all of these years. All right, Jeremy, your pick. Well, you know, say you can't afford uh, north of $800 for a monitor because, I mean, you know, it, it is that time of year where you're spending a lot of money on other people and you might not have some extra. But I can guarantee you that at least one of the fans in your system is just utterly filthy and you can try and clean it and pull it apart and relubricate it and everything, but you could replace it. And Canada Computers is having a hell of a deal on the uh, Corsair ML120s, which are pretty good fans and hurt to pay 40 bucks for. But 15 bucks a pop in any of the colors that you want, I just linked to the blue one, uh, is, except the RGB, I think, is a little more expensive. Uh, it's, that's a pretty good deal. Oh, the white ones are still 40 bucks. Don't pay 40 bucks for them. But, you but can if get you red like or red or blue, red or blue. Take your pick. Fifteen you team Intel, Team AMD. Yep. In your system. Or are you conflicted? So you can <laughs> both. And then there'll be kind of a purple effect if you like blink yeah. the right way. Just or you just snip that wire and it side. doesn't have yeah. any LEDs. Mm-hmm. Oh, but that's hey, true. Fifteen bucks no for those fans, and it's an unlighted fan. <laughs> no, you can get that third <laughs> wire out there or the fourth wire. Oh, okay, just got it. It's got it all. You don't need lights in your fans. Come on. Doesn't help anything. And that's in Canadian money, which means that's like $5. Wow. US. They're like practically. Yeah, US scale on these will probably be pretty impressive. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> Brett, what is your pick? Um, As a lot of people know, I'm a big fan of fast networking. And I'm a big advocate of upgrade your network. 
one gigabit might not be serving you as well as it could. With mm-hmm. the advent of of gigabit plus networking, you want to be able to buy into that. With more to come in the next coming years, FiOS is out there. Uh, you're going to be starting. It's easy to get one gigabit plus from Xfinity. Don't worry that they're selling your information. Can I they're not just interrupt here rudely? They're, they're giving it away for free. To point oh, out to anybody watching the video feed that you're talking about, like, just, you know, can't have enough speed, networking bandwidth, yeah. and you yeah. look like you're at about yeah. 360p. And yeah. your video has been interrupted numerous times during the podcast. I know. I know. <laughs> look, um, I used to live that life. I will live that life again. Okay. Soon. Okay. Yeah. Just, all right. I will Sorry. Continue soon. Sorry. Ignore me. So my point here is that uh, this is a piece of networking gear that would serve you well for people who are, I, I guess I'll just call them like network heads who are into manipulating their network, uh, getting the most out of it that they possibly can. This is uh, a platform. It's bigger than a plug and play device. So if you're not into configuring and you're not into tweaking, maybe this isn't for you. This is the Ubiquity Dream Machine Pro. This has uh, uh, several uh, 10 gigabit networking ports for incoming and connecting to downstream ports or downstream devices at 10 gigabits. It also, this particular unit is equipped with uh, an eight port um, one gigabit uh, series of, of networking connections for things that Eh, might only operate at one gigabit. It also can act as a file server or a caching device. So it has either uh, NFS or SMB or um, file serving characteristics. You may or may not want to use it for that, but it's a great programmable, intelligent VPN endpoint, networking switch, and really good firewall, programmable firewall device that you can do a lot with. It's even got a, a, a touch screen built in. But it's $100 off. It's usually closer to $400. It's under $300 right now. So it's $279 for the Ubiquiti Dream Machine Pro. Not a bad pick, in my opinion. Other people may take umbrage with it because they may not be Ubiquiti fans, but mostly they make a good device most of the time. $279, I mean, it hasn't been that long since something with multiple... 10 gigabit ports would have been uh, a lot more expensive than that. Uh, yeah. yeah. Wait, so, how, how so many? This is 10 gig ports. I thought it was just one. And then the eight one. Were it's two. one. It's two. It's two. Oh, it has two. a land land port and a WAN port. It's okay. basically oh, you know, for okay. your incoming WAN, you know, right. for multi gigabit incoming LAN, uh, up to wherever probably you're going to be in the next number of years. Uh, I know that. But why isn't it Xfinity, 2.5 for the other ports then? Yeah, it yeah, can, Brad. It can, it yeah. can overclock it. Overclock yeah. it. No, flash it. No, with that's not Do my best, Mark Hamill impression. They, <laughs> they have a the ben, next device up. Ben. The next device up the food chain for like a couple hundred dollars more. All right. Well, uh, I think that'll do it for 2023. Uh, it's it's been uh, a year of. Uh, it's been a year. Yeah. It has. We've, we've done it. We've survived, and uh, we've brought you a lot of enjoyable content. Possibly. Congratulations to all those still breathing. Yeah, How are the and people? still watching us. We have yeah. two hundred and twenty-three yeah. people watching right now. That's nuts. Who? 
Who could have imagined? Is there nothing that? else going on? No, I mean, <laughs> last week we talked about this. You're you're bored. You're watching Home Shopping Network or QVC, and you're like, "What else is on?" Perhaps you you shakenly, mistakenly clicked a link. You like you've got the jitters, and you didn't know what you were clicking on. And here you yeah. are. Or you're signed up for uh, notifications on our YouTube channel. Subscribe to PC Per on YouTube. Hit that bell, and you'll get notified when we go live. For smash anything. that. If I, like if I knew there was an install <laughs> base, if that's the right word, if I, mm-hmm. if I knew there was a, yeah. a group of people who had the notifications turned on, I would be motivated to stream more. And I think that goes for all of us. I think we, anybody who wants to stream on the PC Perspective YouTube channel would like an audience. It gets depressing. True. It's lonely to be down here alone. Maybe this next year. Maybe if I get a new video card that can do AV1. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm. Another year has come and gone, and seemingly without end. But truly, all good things must come to an end, and I'm not saying this is particularly good. However, it is here, and you're with us. We appreciate that. And to everyone who listens and watches and contributes and adds their thoughts and feelings to our chats, and join us for this time on Earth. We appreciate you, and we wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, and we'll see you next year.